Okay, so what do you get when you cross a sailor with a cow? What? Sailor moo. <sighs> Ugh. Alright, so <laughs> I have another one. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. What does light from Death Note and a lift have in common? What? They're both elevators. Ugh. So how much does an automel prosthetic from Full Metal Alchemist cost? How much? An arm and a leg. Oh. <laughs> Dude. Are you not happy that whenever one session fails, I have just more in post? All right. Hello, everybody. Take 37 for Oko's In. I'm yes. Brad. That's Blue. Hi. Yeah. Welcome back to the anime. This shit sucks. We've been having a time. <laughs> What? Something, no, this is a great up, time. Right, yeah. Something's up with my PC today. Don't know what it is. It updated, and now shit's hit the fan. This is the third time that we have tried to record this episode. If you can hear random background noise, I don't know what the fuck's happening. We need to get this episode recorded, though, so we can record it. Hopefully, we can remove it in post. We're going to do some editing and see if we can get that sound out. But, um, yeah, I apologize if you can hear some background shit. Um, I will try and get it fixed before the next recording. So you will also know about this maybe at a later date than is now because we are pre-recording this episode. I don't know what the fuck's happening with my life. I am moving across the fucking country. Uh, shit's happening. We're all tired. Hello, everyone. Who? What? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I'm out of stupid. I feel like I got most of my stupid out in the first take, so I don't I don't know how to carry on from here. <laughs> yeah. No, I am, I am full stupid right now. I am stupid train and... and Full steam ahead. I was gonna say I don't. Uh, I don't think you've hit stupid right now. I think you've just hit angry. Angry works. Oh, oh. Speaking of angry, I have a fucking story. All right, let's hear it. I love story time. I'm here for story time. Okay, so my mama went to the dog park this morning with uh-huh. uh, my two goldens. Uh huh. With our family, two family goldens, and she. It's like a small enclosed dog park. We have like a big one that's like by a river and and it's, you know, much bigger. But then there's this one that's in the village that is like smaller and it's just like a fence around like a field. And it's great for Tilly because she is obsessed with fetch. She's a fucking retriever. She loves it. She gets the kicks off of it. It's her favorite thing ever. And... So we go to the dog, this small dog park specifically to play fetch with her because it's an enclosed area and it's pretty flat. So she can just like, we can throw it and she can just sprint and it gets all of her wiggles out. Mm-hmm. So my mum went with the girls this morning to go and do that whilst I was back here answering a shit ton of emails because, you know, emails. And then when, she goes, when my mum comes back, she's like, okay, so... I threw the ball once for Tilly the whole time we were there because this woman was being an asshole. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, there's this black lab that comes to the dog park who is a thief. It's very common in a lot of dogs. They'll find a toy or a ball or something and they'll take it. Very common in the dog park. Happens all the time. If you have a dog, you kind of know about that. Owners are normally incredibly apologetic. They will get their dog to sit, grab the ball, give it back to the owner, and then normally they will walk away with their dog. And it's like one of those things that is very normal, especially for younger dogs or dogs new to a new family. It's a transition period. We all get that. They're normally very apologetic, very nice about it. And Tilly doesn't mind so long as she gets the ball back and gets to play again. But this woman, her her black lab takes the ball and my mom starts going after the dog to get the ball and he's just running away. 
And so my mom goes up to his owner and he says, hey, and she says, hey, can you help me get the ball off of your dog? And the owner just says, no. And my mom's like, what do you mean, no? And the owner's like, I'm I'm not going to help you get the ball off the dog. If you come to a dog park, you should expect that dogs will take balls. And my mom's like, no, that's not how that works. There's literally a sign on the gate that says, if you do not have control of your dog, you cannot come in here you can't take the ball from my dog. Like, go help me get the dog. And she refused. So my mom spends like a half an hour chasing this dog around the dog park that's refusing to listen to any commands or come to her because obviously this dog is not part of our pack, so won't listen to any commands from our family, doesn't know them. Nothing, like, not at all the dog's fault. And and so my mom's like chasing after this dog, eventually gets the dog cornered in like the gate area entrance because it's like a lock. So there's like one gate to the outside and then a little area that's fenced off where you can take the leads off of your dog and then another gate that then takes you into the dog park area. So my mom gets him trapped in this tiny little area and is finally able to get the ball off of him. But this woman is still there with her dog and she's just standing in the dog park, right? So she's not walking her dog at all. She's just standing in the middle and letting the dog run like wreck havoc for everyone. And so my mom finally gets the ball of the dog and she's like, well, I can't throw the ball again because if Tilly doesn't get it, he's just going to steal it and we're going to be doing this whole shit all over again. So my mom has to leave the dog park because Tilly, like, there's no other real purpose for the dog park other than fetch for our goldens because it's such a small dog park. Like, it's not big enough for them to get proper, a, like, a walk. So if we're going to walk mm-hmm. them, then we'll walk them through the through the village or go out through like a bike or a deer trail or something. And so so my mom's like, well, now I just have to take my dogs home because you're being a fucking bitch. Like, I don't know. I was so mad. I'm still so mad about it because like, how inconsiderate is that? I hate Karens. I hate yeah. Karens so much. And she was so rude. My mom was just like, can you just like, give me, like, just control your dog, please. Can you just give us the, the ball back? And this woman over and over and over again was just like, no, it's a dog park. You should expect it. And my mom straight up said, so if you, if, you, your dog is just going to take the ball, get into your car and drive away. You're going to steal my ball. And our balls aren't like tennis balls, right? They're like the the chuck it ones. Those balls are like $5 a ball. They're not cheap. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so it's just like, you're just going to steal the ball? Like, if we hadn't have gotten it? Anyway. And it's not the first time we've seen that particular person at the dog park. She's been there a few times and every single time her dog is completely out of control fucking hate karens yeah just fucking ridiculous yeah people like that are why i hate working retail oh my god yeah yeah no i'm glad i got out of a retail job uh maybe one of these days one of these days maybe one of these days so you guys better share the podcast with your friends (laughs) yeah share this with everybody you know so i can get the fuck out of retail because i hate my life Mm mm-hmm but yeah, anyway, that was my rant of the day. It was just like, stupid woman. My mom was so upset as well. Like, my mom's not, she's just like an ordinary person. Don't mm-hmm. be an asshole. I don't yeah, know. exactly. Mom doesn't deserve that shit. No. No, and I'm very protective of my goldens as well. So I will get aggressive when it comes to my dogs. I protect my, my babies. Go fight a bitch. Yeah. Oh my god. If you so don't, rude. I will. Mm. I already swore I would protect Bean with my life. Right? And then Cedar's 12. So if if that, like, because this is the thing that I worry about, is that my Cedar, our other golden, is very, very, very old. She's, like, especially considering she's a rescue, she had a very, very hard life in the beginning. She's got a load of 
physical health problems because of that. Like, she can barely walk. Like, she's... It's, it, you know, she's very, very old. She didn't have the nutrition and stuff she needed because she was out in a Canadian winter for the first six months of her life, right? It's not... Mm-hmm. She, she didn't have a great start. So if that black lab, who is much bigger than our golden retriever, because like I said, she's stunted, has a whole bunch of health problems. Black labs are heavier, they're stockier than golden retrievers. They have a lot more weight behind them. So even if they look similar sizes, they're much heavier normally. If that black lab had decided to wrestle with cedar or um, mount cedar or like, you know, play with her and Tilly's the same way because Tilly I call her half pint she's like half the size of a regular golden either of them could have gotten seriously hurt just from that dog playing you know not from being aggressive and it's like and that woman had no control over that so if that dog had decided to do that we would have had to have stepped in and we have no control over that dog really because that we're not in their pack like we can't like interfere in that same way that an owner can I don't Mm. know it's just it's one of those nerve-wracking things because I worry about then small dogs because we used to have a small dog and I worry about small dogs with that woman and that particular dog like what if you had a Pomeranian or something you took them to the dog park because that dog park would be huge for a Pomeranian that would get the exercise it needed there and uh and if that black lab decided oh lunch you know Mm -hmm. not only that but who's not to say that the lab doesn't view itself as the alpha in the pack 100% rather than just one of the other pack members Yeah, and it also makes me very concerned for the lab itself, because if this woman is showing that level of lack of care in public, what's her level of lack of care at home? Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's my rant for the day. Take care of your dogs, please. (laughs) Yes. Like, seriously. Yeah. Keep your dogs under control. Yeah. Because they are lovable beings, and they can also be taught. Yeah. Yeah. So. I felt like going, if you don't want the dog, I'll have it. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I mentioned this in our last recording of this episode that then got deleted because shit hit the fan. Um, But uh, yeah, I was recently in Toronto and um, couldn't be around for the last podcast recording. So this one that was supposed to go up then is now being recorded and it's going to kind of be our backup because when I move, chances are there's going to be another time when I'm not going to be able to record. And so this one will go up in its place. So you have both Brad and I, and not just Brad doing a solo one, which we still love. We still love Brad's doing his solo ones. But um, yeah, I don't know. We did plan on this one going up. So recording it now. Yeah, because Brad doesn't want to record anymore alone. No. I feel like this one kind of went backwards from a, like, level of professionality. Yeah. Like, I I don't know if you've taken the time to listen to any of it, but I kind of started talking to myself in the beginning. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I talk to myself all the time. So, you know, it's fair. Well, you know, it it came out in the podcast to where I was, like, doing the intro and then all you hear is just the Russian accent come out of, but Brad, where is this beautiful voice that usually accompanies you? And I'm like, well, thank you for asking, you absolutely beautiful human being That's with a funny. fantastic accent. That's funny. <laughs> it was so dumb. It was great. It was hilarious. But also, I don't ever want to have to go through that again. Don't want to do it again. Yeah, but at least now, whenever you can't record for whatever reason, you have, what, like two or three in the bank where you have to get me to do it up by myself, so. Uh, You're right. I need to cash in on these favors at some point. Yeah, you do. You got to cash in on those. But yeah, I don't know if we ever actually mentioned that we're doing Occos in today for this one. 
Yeah, the thing, the movie. Mm-hmm. And we don't have news because, like we said, this is pre-recorded, so we don't know when it's going to be going out. So the news may be very outdated or whatever. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, it's just us rambling. Hey, editor, add in edits of news if you want to, if you or feel don't. Like it. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. 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 So, all goes in. All goes in. Let's just dive right in. Okay, so Okrozen was originally a novel series, fuck, I can speak, a novel series written by Hiroko Reijo, and was, it ran from 2003 to 2013 for a total of 20 volumes. It was a manga illustrated by Eiko Oichi, mm-hmm. and has seven volumes from 2006 to 2012. And it was also originally a TV series made by Madhouse, and it ran from April 8th of 2018 to September 23rd of 2018 for a total of 24 episodes. The anime film that we are talking about today was directed by Kitaro Kosaka and was also done by Madhouse and was released in June of 2018 and has a runtime of 94 minutes. <sighs> it was released... Mid when the series was coming out? Yes. Huh. I wonder who has the license for the anime series, because I kind of want to cover it, because I really enjoyed this film. Mm. I feel like it was a really nice coming-of-age story. However, I'm curious how different the anime would be, but also how different the novel and manga series would be, because there's a lot of information on all of this. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm i with you on that. I definitely am very interested in the original novel series, because that sounds like a crap ton of content. And I feel like this movie would probably be, like, best of from the novel, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Bits and pieces put together. But I can definitely see how the expansion of that would make moments during this film so much more heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 100%, because I feel like a lot of the tragedy and stuff that takes place in this film was very, it was just kind of sudden, like it didn't have time to get accustomed to characters as typically you would be. Yes. Although, at the same time, the first time I watched this, I feel like I cried at some point. I don't remember where, but I did cry. Yeah, I definitely feel like you could do if you um, are a crier. I definitely feel like this would be one that you can cry to. This is rated G, so I do also feel like that some of the things in this film may have been watered down a little bit for that rating to make it a little bit more family-friendly. I'm not sure about that, though, but I did notice some very, very strong animation comparisons to Studio Ghibli throughout this, specifically in moments like when Oko, our main character, is cleaning the floors. When she's running and kicking up her legs behind her, that looks like it was taken out of Kiki's delivery service or uh, My Neighbor Totoro. It looks like it has been literally extracted from those um, and reanimated. Funnily enough, so although Madhouse made the film and also the anime itself and for those that are unaware madhouse has made things like one punch man parasite you know big high budget stuff like that death note what have you but it feels they in essence like kind of copied studio ghibli style a little bit Mm -hmm. like you could very well pass this off as a like higher budget ghibli film Mm mm-hmm 
And it was licensed by G-Kids or, you know, the new Studio Chibli. So there's a lot of comparisons could be made to that. And so I feel like they just kind of went for that kind of style on like characters and animation. Yeah, you can also see it a lot in the actual character design. I feel like a lot of the face shapes and eye shapes are um, directly comparable. Mm -hmm. Like it was very specific to the faces. Yeah. Like the faces, eyes, mouths, like overall mannerisms felt very chibly. Yes. Yeah. And so, but regardless, great job, Madhouse. Like this turned out to be a really good film. Yeah, it really does kind of feel like, yeah, it feels like a Ghibli film. And when watching it, you, you get that same level of essence, that same wholesomeness to it with a slight dark edge that allows you to feel like you're being taught a lesson. Which is very, like, fairy tale esque It's something that I feel like you grow up with, um, with, you know, like the original Cinderella stories, or it's not as dark as those. But, like, you kind of get that moral to the story with this. It's, it's rated G. It's incredibly family-friendly. I do think that this is a good watch for all ages. There are some moments that I don't think that really young kids will understand the depth of. So if you cry watching it, I don't think your little ones will because they won't understand the same level of emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. But I do think that they will get a kick out of it. I think it will hold their attention for a very long time. Um, it's it's very brightly coloured. There's some very strong character personalities that I feel like will hold their attention. It's It's got some very good themes in it that I feel like will be magic and give the essence of them. It's kind of a little bit of, uh, like, witchcrafty style. It doesn't actually have, like, yeah, it's got, like, this magic kind of feel theme to it. It might be one a good one to watch around... Day of the Dead or Halloween or something, I feel like it might be a good one to watch. It's not specifically Halloween themed, but I feel like it's got some of those trends through it that you might get a kick out of it during that time of year. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's got some really, really beautiful festivals as well, so it's kind of an advertisement to go to Japan at the same time. Uh, Yes, 100%. I feel like the two main reasons I want to go to Japan are cherry blossoms and festivals. Yeah, yeah, I really, really want to go experience some of those festivals, and this just makes me want to go more. I want to go experience, like, the festivals of this size, where it's much more like a local village festival as opposed to the big ones in, like, Kyoto or Tokyo or whatever. Mm -hmm. I definitely want to visit, like, a mix of the two just Mm -hmm. to kind of get an experience of all of them. Yeah. But also, I just want to go hit all the takoyaki stands. (laughs) Yeah, try all the food. I've been... I've been sending you so much sushi here lately. I yeah. apologize. No, it's fine. I've been sending Send you so much sushi. food. Send me the food. I, I like looking at it if I can't eat it. <laughs> you, you poor person. Uh, I send you all the shit that you can't eat. Yeah. I do it to myself. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, shit happens. Yeah. So it is classified as a comedy, a slice of life, and supernatural. Like I said, it does have that like magical element to it. On Anime Planet, it is a 4.19 out of 5, or an 8.3 out of 10. And on my anime list, it is a 7.51 out of 10. So pretty consistently like average high. Like not like a really, really high, but definitely above. Like it's a solid, very good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. For, oh yeah yeah across the board without a doubt i can kind of you know not to spoil the ratings early but i can definitely agree with like the 7.5 rating yeah i got i 100 can get behind that because it just kind of makes sense for everything yeah it's like truly treat or like teetering between a 7.5 and an 8 yeah yeah no i i agree it's a very um it's a very strong watch it's something i feel like that is very rewatchable after you watch it once i feel like you watch it again 
Um, and, and I feel like it's one of those comfy movies. If you're drinking some soup and sitting down on a rainy day, this is a good one to chuck on. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again Agreed. follows the whole Studio Ghibli Hill thing, right? Oh yeah, 100%. Like, Ghibli is very rewatchable, very easy to just sit down and put on whenever, and just enjoyable all around. Yeah. So, synopsis of it is basically, um, young Oko moves, ends up moving in with her grandmother due to several reasons, and her grandmother owns an old inn, and Oko decides that she wants to become the, what is it, the young, young caretaker, the young innkeeper? Yes. Young innkeeper? Yeah. So basically she wants to train to take over the place eventually, and it's her and and a couple of her friends that she acquires through um, some supernatural kind of thing, supernatural kind of ways, and um, and and basically the rival inn in town, and then her interacting with some of the people that stay at the inn, and her also dealing with um, some personal issues and coming of age. And as Brad said, it's kind of a little bit younger than coming of age because she is in elementary school, but it is still her like coming into being. I suppose it, instead of coming of age, it's more coming into oneself. Like she's becoming her own person as opposed to being a child. You know, potato tomato. Yeah. Basically, it's just like the one step beforehand. It's a very, very cute film, as Brad and I have both said. Um, and and I I definitely recommend giving it a watch if you haven't seen it. Yeah, at least watch it once. You don't have to rewatch it. You don't have to watch it twice like I have at this point. But give it a watch. Yeah. I, it deserves at least one. I will say, though, I couldn't watch it on Crunchyroll because I was out of region. So... Uh, it's primarily available on Netflix. Yes, and I also didn't have it on Canadian Netflix. So, just to let you guys know, if you're in Canada, you may have a little bit of a struggle finding it. It is possible to watch it in Canada, though. You just can't get it through the two, per, the two ways. Maybe, maybe it'll appear there. Canadian Netflix tends to get things. Or you can get a VPN. I don't know. We'll see. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah. VPNs are definitely a good option. Yes. <laughs> Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, chicken hats. Yeah, spoiler chicken hats. On. On, put them on. How did you feel about that beginning? Uh, too soon. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, again, you can't open a film with a festival, her hanging out with her parents, and then car wreck, and then boy floating in the air, her on top of... Step one, how the fuck did she get on top of that car? Step two, where the fuck was her parents' car that got smooshed by that 18-wheeler? And step three, why is there a child that can float away and disappear? Did he die as part of the accident? Yeah. Did he save her? Like, the fuck? And then just magically appears, in, like, within five minutes of the next scene. Yeah, I actually completely agree with that. I felt like the way that they animated it was very confusing, especially when later on in the storyline you find out about another character and he explains the accident totally differently to how you saw it visually. So, because of course, I'm going to jump to the end of the movie. So if you haven't seen the big part at the end of the movie, this is a spoiler. (laughs) But at the very end of the movie, obviously they have that family, the Kisei family that come and they, the father of that was in the wreck and he said that he was in the opposite lane. The big 18 wheeler came, he swerved to avoid it and crashed his car head on into Oko's car. And that's what killed her parents, was the mm-hmm. head-on collision. But yet, that makes zero sense from what you visually saw, because what you visually saw was them crashing into the into the lorry. Mm-hmm. So 
they didn't match the visuals with, I guess they just kind of like, I don't know if they assumed that you wouldn't remember that by the time you got to the end of the film, or maybe they just didn't think about it. Well, then again, I guess if you look at it, technically you never see them smash into the 18-wheeler. No. But it is like 99% implied that that's what they hit. Because, again, that's what's coming directly at them. Yeah. So, plot hole, but it's like, although they dug themselves like a six-foot hole, they, like, put, like, a bamboo trap cover over it to where maybe you would forget about it. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, it does just logistically not make very much sense. I understand that they didn't include any blood in it or whatever to keep it a a G rating, and when you're animating, you can make that choice and it doesn't affect it as much. But her flying from the car, landing on the roof of another car, I assume she went through the windshield, which could have been smashed out by her parents originally, but she was wearing a seatbelt. And, uh, or at least I think she was, I don't actually remember, but like, I'm pretty sure she was wearing a seatbelt. Wear your seatbelts, kids. Yeah, right? <laughs> Put your seatbelt on. She flies through, she lands on top of this other car, she sees the apparition of Uribo, and then he saves her somehow with his ghostly powers and then she falls unconscious the next time we see her she is moving into her grandmother's inn with zero injuries and it seems to be pretty much immediately after the accident that then can be explained by the fact that he was supernatural so he gave her no injuries or whatever but the yeah the whole logistics of the accident don't make much sense and it was something that stuck in my brain after the movie finished i don't think it would have been too big of a deal if I didn't remember it, or at the end of it, like, I I just, you know, it wasn't, I didn't think of it. But now I think of the film, I think of the fact, oh, one of the things I remember about it was, oh, the accident didn't make any sense. So I feel like that shouldn't be the most prominent thought in my brain after I watched the film. It should be, oh, that was a cute movie, you know? Mate. What? Cynical podcast brain is showing. I know. <laughs> my cynical no, brain's no, I, I, all day. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I'd, I can only imagine after the trip to the dog park, it's just been just all cynical brain all day long. But no, no, I get where you're coming from. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, back to the beginning of the film. Has the accident. She then moves into the inn of her grandma, where she then runs into Uribo again. And this is when we find out that Uribo was a childhood friend of her grandma. And he died shortly after she moved away, which is like sad and and kind of very sweet but also like ah yeah and then he basically kind of forces her into being the junior innkeeper the hell the hell yeah but no he basically just like coerces her into saying that she's gonna end up being the innkeeper because although she's conversing with him She's also speaking out loud. So whenever she repeats stuff that he says, everybody's like, you're going to be the innkeeper? You're going to help out? The hell? Yeah. I understand the wanting to keep an inn in the family and wanting someone to take it over. But I kind of have... This is just... This is a personal thing. I have an issue with forcing kids into jobs when they're children. Like, I don't want... (laughs) This is such a real-life issue for a movie. But, like... I don't like the idea of setting a child up for a career when they're in their when they're in elementary school, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's just a personal thing of like I wish there was a line where the grandma said, if you change your mind when you're older, that's cool. <laughs> like you don't you don't have to, there's no pressure. But then can, there's a plot like, hole. 
But they could just say, like, she could just, but then she could just insist. Like, I would be fine with Oko being like, no, but I want to. This is what I want to do. I want to take over. And I would just, I just wanted that little line of reassurance from her grandma to be like, if you change your mind when you grow up, that's fine too. I'll still love you. And then Oko being like, no, but I really, really want to. I really, really want to. And I think that that would have been good character progression from her when she first came into the inn saying, no, I don't want to. And then getting kind of pushed into it by Uribo. And then after a while of training, her being like, no, actually, I really, really want to. And then her grandma goes, you don't have to. And she's like, no, no, I, I actually want to. I think that would have been fine character progression. No, no. Because she, like, I'm sure she could have, whether it was spoken or not. Mm. She didn't have to take over the inn. No. But she chose to, and then due to stubborn anime logic, she's just going to anyway. Right. But, yeah. I've got I a just, score I to just, settle. I just wanted that little that little familiar moment from her grandma to just be like, I'll still love you even if you don't take over the inn and it closes down. But we didn't really get that. And I don't know if that's just also like Western ideals being put onto Japanese families because obviously I feel like things are a lot more hereditary over there. Like you, it's, I don't know, maybe it's a a thing because I feel like it's a thing with the upper class over here as well is that people tend to try and keep things in the family if they have big corporations or companies or whatever. But um, I feel like it's an anime type thing to where yeah. if your family has an end then it's kind of your job to take it over, take it over. and yeah, then I... but your typical storyline is rejecting that and going off and doing something else yeah unless it's like food wars where soma's just dead set on you know taking over his family restaurant and his dad is against it you know that's kind of a different version of the story yeah. but still you know it's a very similar kind of setup yeah I don't know. It's just personal preference. I wouldn't have minded having that one little line in there of just being like, you don't have to, but you can if you want to. And Arco's like, I want to. That would have been fine. But it's not there. So anyway, that's a thing. (coughs) Just my personal preference. Okay, but then we start getting guests coming in to the inn because Arco's family... The inn motto is basically that they reject no one because um, the... Uh, hot springs that are in the area were a gift from the gods and so the inn will reject no one because the gods turn no one away so they end up kind of getting because of that some stranger guests staying at the inn and one of the guests uh is the first guest is a disheveled son and man who were kind of like all dirty and gross and sitting on the side of the road and Oko kind of bumps into them as she's walking home. And she finds out that they were in town for the festival and then everything else shut down. They were in, in town for a funeral, but it was at the same time as a festival was going on. And so everything else was fully booked. And so she goes, oh, well, my family runs an inn. Why don't you come and stay with us? Even though they look basically homeless. And it turns out that uh, the son is actually very sick as well. He's He's got a fever and it's from like stress and travel and I know the feeling. Um, <laughs> and and then he the son starts being very picky. Like the, when they're there, he starts being very picky. He wants specific things and he wants cake. They don't have any cake. She runs down to go to the shops to get it. They are all closed. Uh, a karaoke bar is opened up. This just opening up for the night, the owner comes out and she looks at the owner and is like, ah, you look like pudding and runs off. <laughs> um, and Arko ends up using um, her mom's old recipe to invent a new hot bath pudding um, because it like resembles the hot springs or whatever. The chef tries it 
and he likes it. And so he uh, says, okay, that's just, this is good enough to serve. Serves it to the boy. The boy is like upset about it, but then he ends up trying it and um, he really likes it. And Oko and the boy bond over pudding, which is a whole mood. And um, uh, then, and there's also a really sweet moment there where her grandma serves um, an extra meal to not just the wife and mother of um, the guests, and that's why they're at the funeral, but also to Oko's parents when she goes into her room and sees her little shrine. The pudding is there. I don't know. I thought that was very thoughtful from grandma. That was cute. It was. Yeah. Um, and then we also start seeing food disappearing at this point. What? No, food disappearing? No. <laughs> totally doesn't happen all the time at my house. Oh, <sighs> um, uh, I bet that's not your fault. No, never my fault. <clears throat> Stomach Chan disagrees. Right. Um, <laughs> I was thinking the other day how I want to just drink a cup of broth. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I wonder if you just got like, you know, those cardboard cartons of like vegetable broth? Mm-hmm. Normally, I always make them into things. I don't think I've ever just tried it as is. I kind of want to just, like, pour some in a mug and microwave it and just see what it tastes like. I mean, go for it. Let me know what you think. Yeah. It's going to be, like, my new favorite beverage. I'm just drinking it all the fucking time. Coffee? What are you drinking? No. Broth. Vegetable broth. It's I the mean, kind of that's thing basically that, like, hospital food. Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing that I always read about in, like, my medieval... My, 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 blah, blah, blah. Medieval Have it, have it, have it. All right, yeah. Um, is like they're always drinking either like watered down alcohol or broth. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to try their freaking broth. What does it taste like? Because of course I can't drink water because of the toxins in the water. So, um, but yeah, I want to try it. I want to eat fucking broth. Do it. Uh, eat the broth. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> it's just like very runny soup, right? So why would it do not you, be? It's fine. Do you eat broth or do you drink broth? I, you drink broth, but you eat soup. Unless it's the in a mug, hell. then I would say that you drink soup. The hell? Right? So what if you put ramen in a mug? What, like cup of ramen? Cup ramen? Yes. Well, then you consume it. I don't know. <laughs> Your logic is flawed, mate. It is. I don't know. You eat it, and then when there's no noodles left, then you drink the broth. That sounds like a lot of extra words to not choose the side. <laughs> If there is chunks, you eat it. If there are no more chunks, you drink it. But what if it's a thick soup like gravy? Gravy is not a soup, it's a gravy. <laughs> uh, you know what? Tell us in the comments whether gravy is a soup or not. <laughs> no, it's not. Gra- <laughs> gravy is a soup. Okay, but what about when you start getting into consumes and then you're just like, fucked. The hell? Consume. I think it's a very liquidy soup, like a broth. But it's then you not just a broth. admitted it's a soup. <laughs> no, it's not though. <laughs> you it's, just it's admitted a it's a liquidy soup. You just admitted it's a soup. <laughs> I said like it is like a very liquidy soup. Therefore, it is not a liquidy soup. It is a liquidy soup. <laughs> it was a simile, not a not a, a state. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say metaphor, but a metaphor is still a comparison, so that wouldn't work. <laughs> oh my god, this is amazing. I love this. Yeah. <coughs> I think cold soups have a different name as well, like a cucumber soup. I think it's called something different. It's still a soup. I don't know. Is ketchup a smoothie? Technically? But it's not cold. Ketchup is cold. Well, it doesn't have to be. No condiment has to be cold. 
But once it's opened, it has to be refrigerated. Yeah, but a smoothie is made cold. Because a ketchup is made hot and then cooled. But a smoothie is but what, made but cold. But what classifies a smoothie? Blended shit. Frozen blended shit, I think. Hmm. Hmm. Because warm blended shit is like a, a jam. <laughs> like that's So what's jelly. the difference between a jelly and a jam? A, a jam has chunks and seeds in it, whereas a jelly is completely smooth. Okay, so what's the difference between a jelly and a soup? Uh, a jelly has gelatin in it. Uh-huh. So are you telling me that a jelly is just a warm smoothie then? Is that what you're telling me? No, because a smoothie doesn't have gelatin, so it's not solid. But you just said that it could be comparable to a jelly. Wait, no, I'm getting confused because there's two different types of jellies. There's American jelly and British jelly, and I don't know which jelly anymore. (laughs) Oh, I'm just here to wreck your brain. (laughs) And you don't even need gelatin because there's like this other like vegan stuff that you can use. So you can make like dandelion jelly shit. And it's not because gelatin is, is, uses. Cow bone? Yes. Yeah. Hoof. I don't, I don't know anymore. Okay, my brain hurts. <laughs> See, where, where, where were we talking about in the in the film? No, but like, food is the bane of my existence. That is that is the biggest thing where I get confused with Canadian, British, and American terms is food. It's a good thing that I understand all three. Yeah, because like I was uh, I was trying to talk in the garden about the garden the other day because we're growing courgettes. But they're called zucchinis over here. But we're also mm-hmm. growing peppers, like bell peppers. But they're also mm-hmm. called capsicums. Capsi- capsicums? I don't know. Australians call them that. And some British people do. And my dad does. But I don't because that was one of those things that I call a Canadian thing because I was young enough. And then, mm-hmm. but then there's like oregano instead of oregano. Uh, cilantro is called something different. There's fucking so many. Coriander. Cilantro is called coriander, I think. But um, coriander's like a completely different thing. Okay, then coriander is a different thing. I don't... See, this is the thing, is I get so fucking confused, because my dad calls them one thing, I call them another. I don't know if I'm calling them the Canadian version or the English version, because I hit the immigration at the time period where I was learning these words, so half of them I learned in England, the other half I learned in Canada, and I don't know which one is which. And so then I talk to a Canadian and they get confused, and then I talk to my dad and my mom and they get confused, and then I'm sitting in the middle and I don't know where I am. <laughs> There, there. It's okay. Just, I'm telepathically sending you head pats. Just calm down. It's so confusing. It's uh, herbs are the worst. Herbs and vegetables are the worst. Because you don't even have a marrow over in this country. They don't exist. There's bone marrow. (laughs) No, but like a marrow is like a giant courgette or zucchini. But what's that about a croissant? (laughs) No. Oh, and this is another thing that pisses me off is that people think they don't know what a crumpet is. Over here. So like, oh, crumpet, you're British, you like crumpets. So like, you don't even know what it is. It's like a small halfway between a waffle and a pancake with holes in it. And if you have trypophobia, then you're fucked. Like, it's... <laughs> it's like a waffle fry pancake. It's so, I don't, uh, and it's so confusing. And people are like, oh, do you want a crumpet? And I'm like, that's a scone. And they're like, a scone. And I'm like, no, a scone. And they're like, but my family were British. And I'm like, they were from a different part of Britain than me. I call it a scone. <laughs> because if it's a scone, then the joke doesn't work. Excuse me? What about the joke doesn't work? <laughs> in case there's this joke, right? It's, what's the fastest food in the world? A scone. Because before you know it, they're all scone. <laughs> See? 
And then what's the fastest liquid in the world? Milk. Because it's pasteurized before you know it. The jokes you need. <laughs> there are times to where I wish we recorded our faces for this, just so <laughs> you could see the terrified look that I have on my face right now. See? But if you say scone, I'm so confused. then you sound so posh when saying that joke. What's the fastest food in the world? A scone, because it's scone before you know it. Do you know how posh you sound? <laughs> it's scone. Oh, excuse me, I'm going to have a scone. It's uh, the fastest food in the world because it's scone before you know it. It's, it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. <laughs> yeah, see? So he's got me scone, in it? <laughs> not according to that. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Leviosa. I'm Hermione Granger, and you are? Ronald Weasley. Ronald Weasley, how dare you steal that car? <laughs> what has this podcast become? <laughs> this is what happens when we spend too long apart. Just everything dissolves to shit. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we're full of bollocks right now. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for every minute of it. <laughs> Okay, where were we? Frickin' first guest is gone. They fucked off. They had pudding, they bonded, it's good. Next guest. Um, the boy's dad writes a, a article in the magazine and takes a picture of Oko and puts it in, I've gone really British now, what's fuck's going on? Hello, <laughs> Oko's father. <laughs> oh my god. Dick, excuse me, I'm just uh, having some tea for a moment. Ocho's father, he, uh, no, not Ocho's father, the, the father of the guest of Ocho. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, the boy's father writes a note in the local paper about Miss Ocho, takes a photo of her, publishes it, and then, of course, everyone loves the inn and they wish to go. But um, So then all of these other guests all of a sudden come and they want Ocho's, uh, they want to interview her and get her um, signature on shit. And it's rather entertaining. Everyone's loving it. It's a great time. And then at school, there's this... <laughs> <laughs> Carry on, don't mind me. Are you good? No, carry on. Um, but yeah, then at school there's this um, what do they call her? Frilly pink. Oh yeah, frilly pink or whatever. Yeah, she uh, she dresses in like Lolita, like big ass pink shit all the time. She is the daughter of the owner of the other inn in town. That's like a big fucking hotel shit. It's like. Hilton shit. Um, and and the, the movie may be rated G, but this podcast certainly isn't. Uh, <laughs> oh, we should have made this episode family friendly. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, fucking hell. No, I've, I've been, um, what's the fucking word? You know, when there's a spirit and they invade your body and take over? <laughs> no. I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the word. I was going to say infused, but that's not it. Um, you have been taken over. Yeah, sure. I've been taken over by a fucking sailor today, so you're going to have to deal with this, Wes. Editor, make it family friendly. Oh my god, no. It would just be like, beep every other second. 
Oh my god, I love it. But yeah, so Pink Bitch decides that she <laughs> decides that she is gonna pick a fight basically with Oko at school and basically gets all up in her face and then Oko kind of innocently, obliviously calls her out on it, but she doesn't really intend to, but she does, and it's rather rude, but she is coming at it from a like a naive perspective. So, like, you can't fault Oko in it. Well, you can, but you, like, it's not, like, her fault you have to teach her that that's not how you talk to people. But, like, also, uh, the Freddy Pink was being very passive-aggressive to beginning, to begin with. <clears throat> but while they're having this interaction, this little girl ghost, Mio, starts, like, painting stuff on, on Oko's face. And, uh, and anyway, it just kind of, like, accentuates this little argument that they're having. And, um, and then... Oko finds out that Mio is um, Freddy Pink's older sister who died when she was seven, so looks younger than Freddy Pink does now because she died before Freddy Pink was born. And so now she has two ghost friends. She has Uribo and Mio. And they just kind of hang out at the at the inn for a bit. Like there's just some, I'm, I'm not going to say filler because it's not filler, but it is kind of like just cute little montages of them doing stuff. And Mio calls Oko like silly keeper and basically says that she's not good enough to run the inn and she needs to work harder. But yeah, Mio then moves into the inn with Uribo because they, like she's the only one that can see them and, and discuss with them. And the two of them have kind of been alone up until this point, just lonely child ghosts. So then she finds a bell from her uh, late granddad and uh, the bell, she like cleans off and stuff. And as doing so, she ends up summoning this little demon child. And this demon child is the one who's been eating all of the food throughout this time up until this point, because there's been a few scenes of things going missing. Um, Suzuki is the demon's name. And he is the one that has been attracting more people to the inn. And in exchange for being able to live there, um, Oko says that he has to... Help with the chores. That's what he has to... I I couldn't remember. (laughs) So then she kind of teams everyone together and then there's a bit of a a montage kind of thing of them all working and learning how to run the inn and her being recognised. And then eventually a new guest comes who is a young fortune teller who is kind of a little bit like down and not feeling great. And then Oko goes and ends up cheering her up. They end up bonding a little bit. I would say she's kind of like our age like mine and Brad's age, like early 20s, mid, early mid 20s. And she's a fortune teller and she's been down and Oko ends up cheering her up. They bond. So then she invites her to go shopping. Oko ends up experiencing some PTSD type flashbacks from the car accident. And the ghosts help her get over it. The fortune teller helps her get over it. They have a good bonding time. Shopping montage happens. It was very cute. They go back to the inn and the fortune fortune teller tells her, the reason why she was there was because her partner broke up with her because she was a fortune teller and and she like trusted too much in her readings and yeah things just like didn't work out for them and yeah I don't know she just like really bonds with Oko and it's kind of like a cute big sister moment I guess mm-hmm. I yeah yeah I don't know I really like their their dynamic and I kind of would. I would die to see, like, one core anime of maybe even, like, only 12-minute episodes or something of the two of them going on small adventures like the shopping spree. Yes, like little spin-offs. I would yeah. love that. That would be adorable. Yeah, it'd be super cute. Of uh, Just, like, Glory is her name. Just, like, uh, Glory showing Oko 
around the world, just like introducing her as a older sister would kind of do to give her that like younger woman's experience of life. Because obviously she has the innkeeper, her grandma, and then the, the the housekeeper or whatever, who are two womanly figures in her life to help raise her. But she doesn't have someone that is like that 10, 15 year age range mm-hmm. older guider, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, that they, they just get up to a lot of cute little adventures together and, and it would be a good like series of small stories that you could do where it's like Oko learning a lesson and Glory like finding herself as an adult, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. So that's when, after she leaves, then um, the Kisei family arrive, which I mentioned earlier, with the young boy and his father, who has been very, very ill, and he finds loads of bland foods unsatisfying, because that's what he had to eat in the hospital, because he's had, like, his pancreas removed and something else removed, I don't know. And he's been in the hospital for a very long time, so he can't have anything with, like, alcohols or high amounts of sodium or, or anything like that, and he has to eat lots of foods and that are like bland and the chef doesn't really know how to prepare anything that is healthy for him so Oko goes on an adventure to find Frilly Pink who was previously shown reading about healthy foods and gets a couple books from her and takes them back to the inn and the chef is then able to make something for him based on those healthy food cooking books that he was given and then the man is very happy about the fact that he's able to have a much like more palatable experience. For instance, like there was one where he was able to eat rice that had been soaked in sake, but the sake had then been boiled off or like cooked off. So there was no alcohol in it, but the taste was still there. And and so he is like very happy about that. And then she bonds with the young child that's there. And then eventually it is revealed that he was the dude who killed her parents, basically. Not his fault, by any means not his fault, because he was swerving to avoid the the semi and then crashed into them because of that. Um, so yeah, he, he, ad- he was not driving in recklessly or dangerously or whatever. And, and Oko obviously has a very strong strong reaction to this. She runs away. When she runs away, she then bumps into the fortune teller again, who got a reading that she would need her, so came. And um, they talk for a bit. And then uh, throughout all of this time, also the spirits that have been around Oko have been slowly fading. She can't interact with them as much. And, and then eventually she goes back to the inn and um, she still asks them to stay because she says that she is no longer just Oko. She is now the young innkeeper here and she has a responsibility to not turn anyone away like her parents always said and like her grandma says that the innkeeper rejects no one that the inn rejects no one that's like a hell of a lot of fucking character growth for a child it's it's so much that i kind of believe it because i feel like it's that level of naivety that a child would have in the sense that i don't feel like she's processing everything properly and kind of just, like, buries it, if you know what I mean. I, I get that, because I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like she... I feel like it could be interpreted that the reason why she allows them to stay is because she is coming at it from a child's perspective, and so does what she believes she should do, as opposed to what she feels she should do. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if she was five years older, her reaction would have been very different. I agree, but, mm-hmm. I mean... It's a very believable character mm-hmm. 
it's like you said, it's like a very believable amount, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, it was just a really cool thing to see. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's like you said, like, had this been real and had it been, like, her been a few years older, like, you know, the angsty teen years, that could have mm-hmm. went very differently. Yeah, I think that's why it is believable and why it works and why you don't watch it and think, oh, I, there's no way I would have done that, is because you're watching a child. So mm-hmm. if if she had been a teenager and they had played it through the same way and she had reacted this same way, I think it would have been a bit jarring for the viewer to watch that and we think, no, that wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. But because she is a child, you watch that and you go, yeah, I believe that, that that's how a child would could react in that situation. So you know what this gives me... Like, weird flashbacks to? What? Fuka, but the manga version. Mm. Which you still haven't finished. <laughs> One day I will. It, you know what that little giggle reminds me of? <laughs> what? Have I sent you the TikToks of, like, the girl going off in Japanese and then the hee-hee? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what that reminds me of. Just that little giggle that you just hit me with. <laughs> Oh my god, that that's like a spitting image of that. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> you still haven't watched it. E- 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 <laughs> Don't you laugh at me. <laughs> uh, fair point. I take it. Yeah, so then there is a uh then the it's been a full year, months later, the festival comes back around again. And it's Oko and Freddy Pink who are doing this festival. This festival happens. The reason why I said I feel like this would be a good one to watch during, like, um, Day of the Dead. Uh, is that um, Dia de los Muertos? Is that Day of the Dead? See. Si. Yeah. Okay. I, I do remember some things from my Spanish class. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Halloween is because of the fact that this whole movie kind of centers around this festival, this annual festival, of releasing the spirits back into the world. And so the reason why Oko was having this disconnect with the spirits towards the end of the film was because of the fact that this day was coming again. And now that they have kind of discussed and and gotten their emotions out about their experiences with death through Oko, they are now going to move on to be reincarnated. Mm-hmm. And um, so Oko and Freddy Pink are going to perform the dance that at the beginning of the film, Oko's parents said they would love to see her perform. And also throughout this time, you're seeing more and more and more of Oko's visions of her parents, of them still being alive. You're seeing her slowly accept their deaths. And then with the Kisei family, you see her finally accept that they are dead. And and this is a moment where you get to see her kind of say goodbye to them in a way. It's not an official, like, you don't get that moment of like where she monologues or starts crying or something as she says goodbye to them. It is kind of more of a like implied through the music and feel and then her dancing and then you you like you see them fade away and it, it's heavily implied but you don't see it from her character i think it's because she said goodbye to the spirits rather than her parents so therefore mm-hmm. she couldn't go through that whole thing because although she's saying goodbye to the spirits she sees her parents in the crowd for a second yeah. and then they fade out to yeah. the other friends that she's made yeah and then but the whole time she's you know conversing with the spirits Mm-hmm. in her head and saying goodbye to them and this was the scene that actually made me cry the first time i watched it Aww. just it is because very cute. 
just anything that's your line April related, like anything that's even remotely close is just going to kick me in the dick. Mm-hmm. Like there's just no way around it. Like anytime it's just like a somber moment of somebody having to say goodbye, just kick me in the dick and get it over with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to watch your line April again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not April yet. <laughs> I don't want to watch it again. I'm good. Yes, you do. It's so April of draining. next year, we're covering your line April again. Oh, it's so draining. It's like emotionally exhausting to watch that series. It's so good. I, But like, yeah, oh my God, draining. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's going on the schedule next April, whether you like it or not. Oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I can't do that again. <laughs> I can. I'm not going to, but I can. Mm-hmm. Actually... I do kind of want to do like a greatest hits month or something like that. Yeah. Till we like go back and watch like our most popular things that we've covered and see if our thoughts on them have changed since then. That's a really good idea. We could so do that. Yeah. We could do that for like our two year anniversary or some shit next mm-hmm. year. But yeah, so then it, uh, both of the ghosts promise that when they reincarnate that they will find her again and that she will be able to recognize them. So, you know, we could even have like a... Uh, second section of this where she gets to see the reincarnated ghost i don't know i am so interested to watch the series and read the light novels or the novels based on this because i do feel like it was kind of best of because i feel like there are going to be so many more um guests that stay at the end during this year and interactions with other spirits maybe maybe it's just these are the the top two spirits and demon mm-hmm. and uh uh, or, like, more bonding moments that we could see that would get us more attached to these characters. So then when there is the big release at the end of the film, it may be more of a tearjerker, I guess. But in the, mm-hmm. well, in the again, light novels... Well, again, it's like, how the fuck do you take a 24-episode, two-core anime and yeah. compress it into an hour-and-a-half-long film? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the embodiment of the second season of The Promised Neverland. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not that bad, but you get my point. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my friends were so I'm mad curious. at that. I, the uh, group chat I have with the twins was just them ranting for like two full days on the last season of The Promised Neverland. Did they watch it or did they listen to the episode and then just get pissed off? They watched it. They Well, um, one of the twins had read the manga. Uh-huh. And uh, had been following it for a while and was super stoked for the season to come out. And then mm-hmm. um, and then she didn't even know that we had done an episode on it because she hadn't, it was like before, like she had watched it before the episode had come out. And uh-huh. then uh, and then we were talking about it and then I was like, yeah, we actually did an episode on that. And she went and listened to it and she was like, you talked about the, um, the dang room that nobody talks about. The one room that's just there and then is never mentioned again. Yep. Oh my god. I have turned so many of my friends off to the show to where they don't even want to watch the second season because mm-hmm. they're afraid now. Yeah. And I'm like, look, you should watch it just to form your own opinion on it, but just know to set your bar really low so you're not pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you. <laughs> and there's me just telling all my friends to watch people, girls fight with their butts and boobs. I mean, I get it. Like, again, I've been telling people to start with Food Wars. Yeah. (laughs) Why the fuck not? Because why not? But yeah, okay. Film final thoughts. Uh, Good film. Can definitely watch again. Uh, Mm -hmm. Seven and a half. 
Yeah, I'm fully with you, seven and a half. I feel like the things that knocked points off for me was the disconnect between the accident and the storytelling of the accident. Um, That's one thing that I did notice. Another thing was the lack of attachment that I felt to the characters in comparison to like a Ghibli film or something. I feel like um, they were going for that, but I don't feel like I got as attached to those characters as I do with other films of the same length. So Mm -hmm. there's that. I thought it was very well animated. I thought it was very beautiful. I did see incredibly strong resemblance, like direct pulls of like specifically eye shape, profile shape, the longer faces of specifically Okko's mother, I thought was incredibly um, Ghibli-esque. I did find Frilly Pink annoying, but I don't think I found her so annoying that it made me not like the film. Mm -hmm. Whereas in like Shield Hero, I found those villains freaking annoying. Yeah. But again, I felt like they were going for, you know, a completely different thing. Yeah, I thought it was cute. The food looked pretty good for anime Mm -hmm. food. Yeah. I I mean, it's not Food Wars level of good, but it definitely looked appetizing. I got the point. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not Chibli levels of good either, but it's still good. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, I definitely think we need to cover the anime at some point whenever we... If we can figure out where to watch it, because while we were discussing that, I was trying to look up where to find it. It's on nothing. I don't know where the fuck to find it. Does not exist. It does not exist. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Maybe. Yeah. As long Um, as I don't have to buy it, mm because I'm not buying it. Yeah, right. Uh, But yeah, I I feel like it's a a full um, seven and a half out of ten. It's very good. Yay. So shall shall we wrap the bitch up? Let's wrap this bitch up. So you can find Blue on Instagram and Twitter at BlueLavenderSTM, where she posts life updates, art updates, all that fun stuff. She also have a Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash BlueLavender. She doesn't stream. She may get around to it. Who knows? And yeah. she also has an Instagram for Tilly at the best Tilly Bean, where if you want to see the most adorable doggo on the planet, go look her up because Bean is best Bean and most adorable Bean. Yeah, and that one's only going to be running for another little while, couple of weeks or whatever, and unless my mom takes over because unfortunately Bean cannot come with me to Toronto. So, yeah, I know. So my mom may take over the Instagram or it may just go dormant. We will wait and see. But yeah, Brad. Brad, you can find him on Brad Carter Gaming on pretty much all of the socials and on Twitch as well. So be sure to check him out there. He does shit. It's a good time. And if you uh, like the podcast and you want more of, of us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at BNB Anime. We're BNB Anime on all of the socials. So if you're curious if we're on a social, type that in. You'll find us or you won't because sometimes we're on things and sometimes we're not. <laughs> but we're the same handle and everything. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, where all of our episodes are on there as well. So if you're listening to this on like Spotify or something, you can also find us on YouTube, which is again at BNB Anime. We have a comment section there. Drop us your thoughts and opinions. We love to hear from you as well as in those DMs. Let us know. Like I've said before, and I'll say it again, we're just two idiots with big mouths. So if you disagree, then yeah, let us know. Have those conversations with us because we do very much enjoy interacting with you guys on the socials and shit. We have a website, www.bnbanime.com with again, all of our episodes that we have already archived and links to your favorite listening platform. We also have background information on both Brad and I, links to our voice acting stuff, uh, more information about us, pictures of us so you can put a face to the name. 
um, and and the voice. We have friends of the show. We have information about stuff. There's a load of stuff on there, so be sure to check that out if you're interested. That everything? That's everything. So, thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. If you enjoyed what you heard and you want to hear more or get updates whenever new episodes go live, be sure to subscribe, follow, whatever fucking platform you're on. Hit, hit that plus button because you'll know when new episodes are available. They are going live on Sundays, typically at 9.30 p.m. EST. So, yeah, that's the thing. YouTube is later, because for some reason, Podbean fucking sucks when it comes to getting the YouTube video made. So, whenever, it's there. But thank you all so much for listening. Next week, I don't fucking know. Because <laughs> this is going up in the future. So, whoever's editing... Put in whatever the fuck we're going to be covering here. Right here. Yeah. Right now. Whatever. Right now. But until then, we'll catch y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.